from the Lord and the Holy Scriptures. So why don't you bless him as he comes? Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure to be here. Um, beautiful church. Thank you so much for listening to me for the next half hour or so. <laughs> hey, um, you know, like uh, I'm Hank. If you don't know me, I'm one of the guys here. Um, you know, especially want to say hi. You know, if you came here as a guest this morning, you know, we really love to have you here. You know, really, uh, you know, we, we're close family here. Who can say amen to that? <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, you know, like, um, you know, a little bit about myself. I'm, uh, you know, like originally from Holland. You could probably hear that. Um, you know, I became a Kiwi actually two, uh, two weeks ago, guys. <laughs> I made it. I made it. Final calling in life <laughs> worked out. And I, I was hoping that I would miraculously lose my accent, uh, you know, the next day. But <laughs> didn't quite work out like that. I, I think it's actually gotten a bit worse over the last two weeks. <laughs> Either way, uh, you know, like, I, you know, I thought, how shall I start my sermon this morning? And I thought I'd start with a disclaimer, because that's what people do before you start something, say something, you give a disclaimer. Um, you know, like, uh, as, as people know, I'm, um, you know, I'm a general practitioner here in town, working in one of the medical centers. Um, and people often ask me, you know, what is the, you know, like, what is the, what's the kind of the worst thing, the most frustrating thing in your job? Uh, is, it, is it the people that, you know, keep nagging about things? Is it the, you know, like the lack of time that you're having? Is it, the, you know, like the, 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 the paperwork that you have to do? And I always answer without any hesitation. No, it's those little kids that don't want to open their mouth when you want to examine them. <laughs> and, and, and I think that many doctors will say the same thing. Absolutely, these little kids. And um, I, I just want to describe how that usually goes. Like, um, you know, like a, like a toddler with his mom comes into my office and uh, everything goes well. Until... Um, you know, we go to the open your mouth because I have to examine your throat kind of thing. <laughs> and mom starts, uh, you know, and then the, the reasoning starts <laughs> from the mother. Um, because obviously the little angel doesn't want to open his mouth. <laughs> and why does the little angel not want to open his mouth? Because he knows here is a golden opportunity to get something out of this. And that is the nature of humans. So I like this poor, um, you know, like overworked doctor says, can you please open your mouth? And uh, the little angel says, no, I'm not going to do that. I am uh, choose to open my mouth and, and to make, uh, you know, like to, to, to bring some life to that. He actually starts clenching his teeth like this <laughs> to show that it's really serious. Um, and normally what happens then is that, um, like the mother, um, tries to explain to him how important it is that he opens his mouth. <laughs> because, uh, and, and usually parents says, you know, like, you won't get better if you don't open your mouth and let the doctor examine you. Um, in the 15 years that I've been in a GP, that has never resulted into the child opening his mouth. <laughs> So if you want to do something useful, please go to step two, which is the negotiation. And um, at that moment, the little angel will approach you and will try to get everything out of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm really always astounded, you know, how much such a little kid can get out of his mother in this kind of... Because they, they know, like, he always, he always starts jerking with his feet to show that he's going to kick the doctor if the doctor even does, does dare to come close to him. Um, 
So, um, you know, and then the negotiation process goes, um, you know, like ice cream, toppings, cone, size of the cone, uh, second servings, <laughs> you know, everything's on the table. <laughs> and in the end of the day, the kid usually goes and has a whole kind of, um, you know, stuff that, that he gets away with. Um, leaving me to think, uh, actually, I also would like to have ice cream myself. <laughs> But nobody's offering me. <laughs> Um, okay, this sounds all very funny, um, but this is not what I'm going to teach about this morning. Um, the reason that I'm saying that is that it actually also brings a sort of a spiritual lesson to it. Um, what is that spiritual lesson? Um, you know, like, we are often a bit like that toddler, trying to get and to negotiate with God, our Father, and try to get everything out of it that we can. But sometimes God doesn't want us to negotiate. Sometimes God wants us just to be obedient to the thing that he wants us to say. And uh, that's my disclaimer for this morning. Um, can you... So that means, like, if you listen this morning, um, please hear it in love and kindness. I think that God sometimes just wants us to be obedient and surrender to his word. Um, if I'm speaking a little bit too harsh this morning, um, you know, like, please take into account that I try to stay in close proximity to the Word of God. And what I'm going to say this morning is something you will actually encounter in the Bible. And because you will encounter it in the Bible, we should listen, even if it is a situation that we just have to blindly follow God into His will, you know, in sacrificing some things that are dear to us. And I, I just want to, um, you know, talk about it this morning. Oh, that was a long introduction, guys. Eh? <laughs> We're actually going to go and read Luke um, 12, verse uh, 13 to 21. And um, I love exposing, you know, explaining the parables. Because in the parables, you just have to read the text. And there's so much uh, beauty in it. And this is the parable of the rich fool. So what's happening here in the context Jesus just gave a, a raffling speech about, um, you know, that the kingdom of God is going to be near. And there's going to be times that we're going to be put in front of rulers. You know, like, and he says, guys, don't worry. If you're going to be put on the rulers and they're going to take your life, I'm going to be with you. You know, at that moment, my spirit is going to be there at that moment. You know, I'm going to save you. Don't be anxious, guys. You know, I'm going to be there. And... He explains about that eternal price, the kingdom of heaven, you know, that's waiting for us. You know, we're going to be one day after we die, we're going to be in heaven, united with God, you know, fulfilling that final purpose. And at that moment, there's a guy shouting from the crowd, uh, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Imagine that, you know, like he's just explaining about the kingdom of heaven and the guy shouts out in the crowd, Jesus, tell my brother that he should share his inheritance with me. With other words, thank you very much, Jesus, for everything you've explained. But I got a real problem here in the here now. And it's my brother. He doesn't want to share with me. And um, Jesus actually says something surprising. He says, man, who made me a judge over you? Can you imagine that, that Jesus, the judge of judges, says, you know, who has made me a judge over you? Um, with other words, 
I actually don't come here to start speaking judgment between two persons, like a brother and another brother that both want more. I actually came here to slice through the hearts of people. And, you know, I want to expose what's in the hearts of people in the crowd. So he said to them, take care, verse 15, and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Amen. Let's, let, let's pray together before we continue. Amen, Jesus. Thank you so much, Father, for being here this morning. I, I just pray, Father, that, uh, you know, like you're going to show us this morning, the, you know, the light of your word. Let us stay in proximity and let us, you know, take from this morning a simple lesson that, um, you know, I've put on my heart for the last week to share with, uh, with the people here this morning. And I, I, I give you all the honor and glory, Father, and, you know, to transform people, you know, to pull people towards you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's not clicking. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, and the guy talks about, you know, like the kingdom of the here and now. And, and there's such a difference in reality. And Jesus actually says a very meaningful thing there. He says, listen, guy, what you possess is not what defines you. You know, like what you have in storage is not what defines you. It is not who you are as a human being. So he was trapped in the reality of the moment, basically. And, and, and through that text, God asked me some questions. And he said to me, where is your point of focus in life? You know, which is your magnifying glass against the sun. It always forms into a point of focus. And, and the place where the focus ends is the place where the heat is, is highest. You know, like what God showed to me is, okay, where's your focus? You know, where's the heat most in your life? Um, and he does that by, by going into this parable. And he told them a parable saying, you know, there was this, you know, like there, there was this rich man. And this goes in six, verse 16. You know, the land of the rich man produced plentifully. So basically, there was a rich man and his, his, his land was growing cro- crops. Like a lot. And, and for me, that, that's important. You know, God doesn't say that it's bad to have an acre that grows abundant crops. You know, there's nothing wrong with being, you know, like with, be, with riches by itself. And he goes on and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Again, is that wrong in itself? That guy doesn't have anywhere to, you know, he's just thinking about the future. He's preparing. He says, okay, I got this, um, like this, this plentiful harvest, but I got nowhere to put it. Um, I need to prepare. So the fact that this guy prepares, is that, is, is that a sin? Is that something wrong? I don't think so. I think God calls us to prepare and be good stewards. So, so far, what does Jesus try to say in this, um, you know, in this thing? And he said, but then he goes on. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul. And then it starts becoming tricky because he starts talking to his soul. I will say to my soul, soul, you've got ample goods laid up for many, many years. Relax. 
eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up a treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I'm sorry, this is probably going to sink in like a lead balloon (laughs) after my funny introduction and my stories and stuff like this. This is actually what's written in the Bible, guys. Um, And I I love that because God doesn't care about being politically correct. He cares about his truth and his sacrifice in the end of the day. And, you know, there's a line between being responsible, a, a responsible steward, and somewhere in the soul of this mind. There's a line of process. He goes from being a responsible steward that just has plenty to becoming a sinful person that seeks his own thing first instead of, you know, like the will of God. And I think, you know, there must have been a stage in his life maybe even that guy was a Christian and he was glorifying God. And what God wants to say here. You know, to all these people, because this, this word is, is, is for everybody. This is a teaching that, that shows people how to live. It's a wisdom parable, how we call it. You know, like, and he says there was a stage in his life that his possessions were coming between him and God. Um, and he was a, what we call a winner of the day. I, I, I had to think when I was preparing this about the, the you know, like, do you guys know the Tour de France? I say it on my best French, Tour de France. <laughs> anyway, like uh, the Tour de France is like, uh, um, you know, it's 21 days of um, crazy cycling. And I love that. I love to sit for hours and hours watching these cyclists just go straight to that. <laughs> yeah, my life is very exciting. So like, uh, anyway, um, and what you always can see is that each day has its own winner. And, you know, the winner usually stands on the stage and there's two, um, two women and both they give him a kiss on the cheek, one here and one here. And he gets a bottle of French champagne and the bottle of champagne goes in the air and, uh, you know, like they're all very happy. And the next day there's another, there's another ride. And the next day has another ride and another winner. But what always surprises me is that the, the people that are going to win the total race are never the ones that are the winners on the day. The, the real contesters, they allow the winners of the day to get their glory on the day while they hanging out for the long-term win. And that is the thing that God wants to say here through this parable. You know, like the rich man, in the end of the day, was a winner of the day. But... The real contestant in the journey is going to be the person that allows the winner of the day to get his glory on the day, but focuses on the glory that is at the end of the race. And I just love that. Because what he's depicting is a man here, and God, and there's stuff in the middle, and, you know, like here and now, and the future, and there's stuff in the middle, and, you know, you got the guy, and there's this purpose, and there's stuff in the middle. And, and I love that. I love to see that because God shows a mirror to my own life. And, you know, like it's not easy to be transformed. I, I don't know, you know, like you, you guys know I turned 41 
you know, like a month ago, and it was uh, very sad. <laughs> I actually had to cry. <laughs> Although I never cry, I just had to cry. And, and, and it's because, uh, you know, at my age, my advanced age, it's very difficult to learn something new. So, um, and I, I don't know if you guys know, but the last week we went for a couple of days to a place called Turangi. Everybody knows where it is. And I actually tried to learn something new at my age. And I, I, you know, because I saw that big mountain and there was some snow. And I thought, God, it would be such a nice thing to be able to learn how to ski. Because as a kid, I always wanted to learn how to ski, but I never got around to do it. Um, so I, 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 I booked with my family a skiing lesson, um, which was uh, a bit difficult because, um, because I'm old. I couldn't teach myself how to stop. <laughs> so I, I went off that mountain, like in um, sort of in a super mode, you know, like a, like a cannonball down the mountain. <laughs> and, uh, and the guy, uh, you know, I saw, I, I saw my left, I saw like pregnant women diving away. And on the right, I saw people taking their kids, you know, like out of my path while I was going, um, you know, like, uh, like, like supersonic speed down the mountain. <laughs> and, And I thought to myself, you know, like, whoever said that life starts at 40? <laughs> Because it's pretty obvious to me at that moment that life stops at 39. <laughs> But it also showed me, in all, um, in all jokingness, it showed me that um, we humans, we have very much difficulty of, you know, getting a transformation by ourselves. We cannot change ourselves. We are so much used to what, um, you know, what we've, what we've become over the years. A and I had to think about it, you know, like, because I saw my kids and they were just, they, they actually did know how to stop. And they did do so well. And their young kids make me always made me jealous, you know, to see that they were able to do those things that I couldn't do anymore. And I had to think, uh, you know, with the preaching, you know, like about uh, one of my favorite pianists, Daniel Berenboim is his name like Israeli pianist, he, he told me that, or he told through, uh, you know, like a, like a study that I looked, that he taught himself to, um, you know, to play by head all the symphonies, or not the symphonies, sorry, the sonatas of Beethoven, and all the, the, the piano work of Chopin before the age of 18. And he said, if, uh, like a good pianist, if you learn something, After the age of 18, you will never be able to learn it by heart. And it shows how we, um, how we have that inability to change ourselves. And, and, but we try. We try so hard to change ourselves. And what this showed to me is how, how much we rely on God you know, to be changed, to be transformed. You know, like one of the things that was talked about is the living water. You know, being, the li having the living water inside of us. And, you know, one of these things that living water transforms, it brings you closer to God. You know, you get, you get to be a vessel, you know, like a live vessel. And, and, and we are so much in need of that transformation. And I, I just find it so beautiful and it resonated with me, with me so much. Be <laughs> Because, you know, like I, I always try to do things by myself. And before I became a Christian, you know, I j my life was just trying to achieve everything by my own hands. And it was such a deceptive way. You know, I wasn't so different like the, the rich fool. 
in the sense that God supplied things to my life. And I took those things, you know, but I didn't give him the credit for it. And I think many of you here this morning, you must feel the same. You know, be, before you became a Christian, you, you know, you, you basically, you know, you basically were like living like a thief. In the sense that you would take the blessings from God without giving him, you know, like the sacrifice after that. God wants us to, to listen. And, and I love that because I found that um, very clearly in, 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 in the Bible. You know, like in one of the, you know, for me, uh, it was a, was a transforming text that I saw. You know, like it was Ephesians um, 4 verse 28. And it says here, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him do the labor. Doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I, I, I love that, because I see God, I, I see um, a fundamental principle of God in this text. Um, and now without joking, you know, like, if you l- look at this text, you know, look on the line, look on the screen, you see three words that stick out. And all these words are, they, they must resonate with a real Christian. You see thief, you see labor, and you see something to share with anyone in need. And what Paul is really saying here to people is, um, you know, you got this principle of repentance, transformation, and purpose. You know, like, my life started when I repented. I didn't want to be a thief anymore. God, I said, God, forgive me. I don't want to be a thief anymore. I don't want to store up my own possessions in, you know, like in things. I want to, I want to, I want to be different. I want to be a Christian. I want to be right with you, oh God. And, and by this repentance, you know, being a thief, being a repentance, he brought the transformation. And he made me, he transformed me from a thief into a laborer. And, and the thing is, in all honesty, I could have never done it by myself. God is the owner of any meaningful transformation in your life. Please, please, guys, don't, don't, if there's anything that, that will stick <laughs> from this whole story, it is that don't think that you can do anything by yourself. Any, any transformation is because of repentance and is owned by God. I couldn't teach myself how to ski after 40. <laughs> I could have killed myself while I was skiing. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't be able to teach myself how to play the piano, uh, even if I study for the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to become, you know, like outside of my repentance and my transformation, a servant of God. And neither can you this morning. Nobody can. And then the third point is that purpose. Because that's where I want to go towards. You got, you got the, the thief becoming a laborer. But that transformation is not just, you know, like it's not just for you to get blessings. I think there's still a lot of churches that teach that we are blessed because we deserve the blessing. 
or that we can earn the blessing in any way, or that we blessed because God wants us to bless so much. But if you look at the purpose of the blessing here, and staying in close proximity to the Bible, is that the blessing in this situation, and you will see that all through the Bible, is to have something to share with anyone in need. And that is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the rich fulfilled. He didn't see that blessing that he received to bless, you know, somebody else in need. And what what I see a lot of times is that people, they want to have a purpose in life, but they don't want to go through the first steps. They don't want to go through repentance and they don't want to go through transformation. They just want to have a purpose. And that is so tricky. And I see a lot of people trying to give and trying to do things and trying to make, give meaning to their life without ever getting to the stage of repentance that brings transformation, that brings a godly purpose. And my life, if I say one thing, is always to be on guard, to make sure that I never go to purpose without seeking his transformation. And between repenting of the fact that I can't do it by myself, but I try it anyway. And, and, and I love that. And this brings me to, a, you know, to one of the most challenging questions that I had God ask me. If my purpose is to give my blessing to somebody else in need, who are the people in my life that are praising God because of my blessing? Try to think about it in your minds. Can you visualize the people? You know, maybe in this church, maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe the church is the place that you need to bless. You know, like, you're not a charity. I mean, there's people in your neighborhood, maybe, that need blessing. You know, financial, but also like your time, your giving, your generosity, basically. You know, that's a big question. Who is the people in your life that you can identify already at this moment that are praising God because of your blessing. Your blessing was never meant to stop with you. It was meant to be passed on. And that's the living water. That's the living water of Christ. It's the blessing that never stops blessing. And, and that's what the guy didn't see. And that's what I didn't see. I was a thief just like anybody else in this room. So sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving. That is the crux. Uh, and I, I, I want to share a last thing before I'm, uh, I'm going to be, um, you know, like before I'm going to make an end to this, uh, this, uh, this, this, this teaching. You know, like when I was thinking about it, I had to think about my grandfather. You know, like um, my grandfather, I never knew him. He, um, he, he died 10 years before I was born. He, um, he had a farm in the middle of Holland. And, um, you know, he had that farm during the, the Second World War. And what the guy did, um, he always had like a whole group of people that were fleeing from the Germans. You know, Jewish people. He always had dozens of them hidden in his farm. And I never got to ask him, how did he get to such a position that he was able to potentially sacrifice his own life? You know, like for the, you know, the benefit of those people. 
Because if the Germans, they had these night raids, and if they would come to your farm, and they would find somebody there, even one person, they would just, um, you know, they would shoot, you know, like the owner, and they would shoot, the, you know, like the, the, the oldest son on the spot. And I never got to ask the guy, you know, like what made you, what made you get to that place that you were able to fail you, that other people's life above your own life. And, and that is, you know, that is the purpose. That is the, where the bucket of transformation ends. You know, that's where sacrificial giving starts. And and Paul, he actually was not different than that. He talked about a thing called philoxenia, which basically means hospitality. And that hospitality was just as dangerous because if you would hide Christians, you would be killed on the spot. Like we often read over that, but actually we're asked to give sacrificially. You know, like, and there's some things we're never too poor to give. You know, like we you know that we can express our trust in God and our transformation by giving generously you know like God is honored by the degree of sacrifice that we're having you know like he's giving worship to God if you want to worship God you know like please don't get me please please don't hate me for saying it but standing there for God and worshiping so important but the purpose of it all is to give a sacrificial gift to our neighbors and, you know, to the people that are in need and to let that generosity shine. Because only through that generosity we can really be as God. There's no way we can be, we want to aspire to be in God's image without giving a sacrificial gift to our brothers in need. And that's why... You know, Philippians 2 verse 3, it says here, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Like who are the people in your life that need you? Who are the institutions in your life that need you? You know, how can we give, you know, to this church that is ours? How can we give to the people inside of this church who are our brothers and sisters? You know, like... You know, you know, like if I get my next paycheck, my next dividend, you know, like I'm so happy. But, but have I ever have I been laying it in front of God? You know, like little things like that. I mean, my life, my time, you know, was it there when my brother really needed it? I, I believe that if you're really transformed, then this is where the bucket stops. And I, I just want everybody, um, you know, I, I don't want to go on forever because <laughs> I think everybody's <laughs> had enough. <laughs> it's sufficiently clear. God's word is, is so clear. And the only thing we have to do is to really, like, pray for it and apply it to our lives because it's just that clear. <laughs> we just have to do it. Just have to do it. Not by our own strength, but by him in surrender. You know, let the living water flow. Um, so, the Bible verses teaches that we're living in a world that's going to perish. And it will perish because it is disobedient to the will of God. And 
we're that living water in that world. And it will come from nowhere else than from God's appointed church. And that is a mighty calling. And I just want to, you know, if you're this morning here and you want to be, you know, you want to come right with God, I just, I just want you to, you know, ask one of the leaders, you know, to lead you in a prayer. And, you know, like, you know, because, because of that, again, we can't transform without repentance and we can't get purpose without transformation. And I just pray that if you get touched this morning, you know, to pray for this, you know, your own free time. And I, I just thank you for listening. You know, at this, in the end of the day, we just want to be transformed in the image of God. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. We want to be that church that is transformed in the image of God by His power and sovereignty alone. In Jesus' name. Let's pray before I give the word back to uh, the pastor. Thank you, Jesus, so much this morning that uh, we may glorify you. And, and we thank you so much, Father, because without you, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do anything. We all would have been helpless, you know, like in that, you know, swimming alone in that sea of grace. You know, like so needy of you we are this morning, Father. And then just changes, Jesus. Changes into an image of you that may give. May give to needs, to genuine needs, without any caveats. And I, I just pray, Jesus, that if there's people this morning, that you will lead them into repentance, that you will make them want to be like this. In, I, we just need you so much, Jesus. We, we just need you so much in any part of our lives, God. And thank you so much for what you're going to do through this, uh, through this message. You know, it was all for the glory of you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.